0: We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Monday. Hopefully you had a wonderful Christmas yesterday, assuming you celebrate Christmas. If it was a different holiday or if it was just Sunday, I hope it was a wonderful day. And yesterday was a good opportunity to let go of all the stress and strain and bullshit that we deal with every day. We are barraged by all this news and information all day, every day. And now and again, you have to take a break. You have to let it all go. Not worry about that shit. Just spend some time with family and de-stress. And I think most of us did that yesterday. I certainly did. You know, when you get to be a certain age, like me, in my case, 62, I think back to my younger days, and I think of all those things I was chasing. Money, maybe fame, position, houses, cars, toys, big trips, all those things. And that made everything very complicated and much harder because you had to try to afford all that stuff and fit it in with a very busy schedule. Now, what I've come to realize as I've gotten older and I don't have as busy a life, I'm not as worried about the big homes or the nice cars and all that stuff, I realize there's really only one thing you should be chasing. And if you can chase that and catch it, all the other things fall into place. Maybe not to the levels you'd hope for, but enough to be satisfied. And that one thing you need to chase is a little joy. I mean, we, when we're laying on our deathbeds and we got all these material things, all that's going to happen is they're going to go in a garage sale or sold at auction or whatever the hell happens. It's the memories and the joys that stick with us. And there's a lot of people out there that are struggling. There's a lot of people out there that are angry. And if they could just get a little bit of joy, everything would be a lot better for them. We tend to ignore that when we're younger. We say, we'll get the joy later someday, or we're entitled to it, so it should just come to us. But like anything that's valuable in this world, you can't wait for it to fall in your lap. You've got to go after it. Now, I did all those things when I was younger, and now I'm simply looking for some joy doing the TikToks and doing the podcast. That's a joy for me. Spending time with my family, that's a joy. Or being at a Christmas get-together yesterday and have my granddaughter run up to me with her arms open, hug me and say, I love you, Grandpa. That's all I needed for yesterday. That was a great joy to me. This little girl and her brother can't even imagine how much joy they bring to me. And that is the most valuable thing I own today. Once you can realize a little joy is more valuable than anything you could hope for, that's when you start to win. All right. Another thing that's in the news, I don't talk about it a lot, Because it's not that odd here in Minnesota where I live and where I grew up. And that, of course, is this big storm that swept across the entire country. It's made everything cold and snowy. It's wreaked havoc. 34 people have died because of this storm. It is uh, a storm of a generation. Mainly, because of its size and because it encompassed most if not all of the country. Now here with this storm, we didn't get a crazy amount of snow. We got maybe five, six inches, which in Minnesota's, by Minnesota's standards, it's nothing. We've got plows, people take care of it. We really didn't run into any problems getting around. And even the cold, we were down as far as 10, 12 below, which is fucking ridiculous. Nobody should live in that shit. But that said, that temperature isn't crazy in this part of the country this time of year. It's not odd to have sub-zero temperatures to go for a week, get a bad weather front coming through, and the cold weather just settle in. And that's exactly what happened. But I've seen temperatures as low as 20 and 30 below actual temperature. Then the wind chill adds to that, and it gets crazy, and it's dangerous to even go outside. These are the times when I worry about my family, because if you're out in your car someplace and something happens, the car stalls, or there's a spin out into a ditch, and you can't keep the car running, it's going to take a lot of time to get a tow truck to you because everybody and their brother is getting a tow truck because they're all spinning out in ditches. But when you have sub-zero temperatures, it's very dangerous. If you are exposed to those kinds of temperatures for an extended period of time, it will kill you. So I always worried about that. That said... This isn't the harshest storm I've seen come through Minnesota. This is the biggest storm by geological measures, the fact that it covered the entire state. The thing is, is as this thing sweeps through the country, we're at like 10 below right now at midnight or almost 1 o'clock in Minnesota on Monday morning. By Tuesday, it's going to be about 28 to 30 degrees, which is very palatable. And then by midweek into the end of the week, it's going to be 35. It will have run its course here in Minnesota, and we will be back to normal, if not even higher than normal temperatures. And that will be a welcome relief. But this thing is still sweeping to the east, and... uh, What do they call it, a bomb cyclone or something? And on the east coast, on the eastern portion of the United States, it could get very ugly. And I'm hoping it doesn't. But we'll be watching and thinking about and praying for those folks out there as this storm barrels through the eastern part of this country. I do hate winter so much. People always say, what do you mean you hate winter? You can snowmobile, you can ice fish, you can ski. Well, great. I don't do any of those fucking things. And I don't have any interest in. And say, why don't you do it? I said, because when you go outside, it's fucking cold. If I could do those things when it was warm, I might try them. They don't quite understand. And maybe I'm being a baby about it, but I've lived here all my life. I don't like it. And just as soon as I can, you know, I got my wife working her part-time job with the airlines, so she's got to be around and available to do it. But I'm looking forward to being out of this state, assuming there is no nationwide storm and being someplace warmer than where I am now. But I've been bitching about this all my life. And that's why I'm very hard pressed to bitch about really hot weather. That can take its toll on you more as you get older, too. But I feel like a hypocrite. If I bitch about the cold, then bitch about the uh, warmth or the heat. What the fuck is it going to take to please me? It's got to be a perfect temperature, 75, 80 degrees all the time. Well, that would be nice. But as long as I'm here in Minnesota, that's not a realistic situation. Now, if I move to San Diego and it's 75 year round, that would be cool. I like Coronado right off of San Diego. I don't know that I'll ever move there, especially now that I have a place in Georgia. Now, the good news about Georgia, it doesn't get tropically hot um, this time of year. The temperature, the high, I think, is about normally about 60 degrees. But compared to minus 10, I'll fucking take that in an instant. So hopefully down the road, we'll be spending more of the winter in Georgia or someplace warmer. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. But hopefully this cold snap was the only one we're going to get this year. I know that's wishful thinking, especially in this state. But I'm really thinking about those people on the East Coast. They've been hit hard the last several years because of climate change. All of the snow and all of the sub-zero temperatures they're getting is stuff we used to get for decades. Now it's kind of shifted a bit. I'm not going to say I'm not happy about it, but I hate to see other people suffer with the things that we suffered with here. It seems like people in Minnesota can handle it. They've been dealing with it for decades and decades. And while it may not be that fun, at least we know how to deal with it. Anyhow, my best wishes to the people on the East Coast dealing with whatever they have to deal with. The fact that 35 or 34 people have already died is disturbing. And let's keep our fingers crossed that there are no further deaths. Well, have you heard about the latest little prank by Governor Greg Abbott of Texas? And this this surprises me, really. Apparently, three buses of recent migrant families arrived from Texas near the home of Vice President Kamala Harris, in record-setting cold on Christmas Eve. Texas authorities have not confirmed their involvement, but the bus drop-offs are in line with previous actions by border state governors calling attention to Biden administration's immigration policies. So now the buses, they arrived late Saturday outside the vice president's residence where they were uh, carrying around 110 to 130 people. Um, And there's the SAMU first response. A relief agency is working with the city of Washington to serve thousands of migrants who have been dropped off in recent months. This isn't the first time this has happened. We know Ron DeSantis uh, stuck his nose in it. And uh, this is where it's confusing to me. We know, Don, uh, we know that uh, Ron DeSantis is getting some legal heat over this. I mean, he could have some real problems for what he did when he sent people to Martha's Vineyard. So Greg Abbott was working in conjunction with Ron DeSantis when he did what he did. But now Greg Abbott apparently thought, hey, this is a good idea. This is kind of funny. I mean, this serves no political purpose other than a stunt or a prank. The unfortunate thing is, is that in doing this prank, he risks human beings. And that doesn't seem to bother him. Some of these migrants were wearing T-shirts, despite temperatures hovering around 15 degrees Fahrenheit, minus 9 Celsius. It was the coldest Christmas Eve on record for Washington, D.C., according to the Washington Post. They said the employees had blankets ready for the people who arrived on Christmas Eve and moved them quickly onto waiting buses for a ride to an area church, a local restaurant chain donated dinner and breakfast. Now, most of the arrivals were headed to other destinations and expected to remain in Washington only briefly. Greg Abbott's office did not respond to a request for comment Sunday morning. His office said last week that Texas has given bus rides to more than 15,000 people since April to Washington, New York, Chicago, and Philadelphia. Abbott and Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, both Republicans, are strong critics of President Joe Biden on his handling of the U.S.-Mexico border where thousands of people are trying to cross daily. So what do they do? They put these people on buses, they lie to them, they take advantage of them, and they send them to Washington, D.C., or Martha's Vineyard, or Chicago, or New York, or wherever they're sending them to. They put these people's lives at risk, just to make a point. I mean, this is who the Republicans are. They don't give a shit about human beings. I don't care if they're migrants or not. You don't treat human beings that way. It's just not right. And given that Ron DeSantis has some legal troubles, I can't imagine why Gregory Abbott would have the ignorance to try to replicate that. But apparently they're doing it over and over and over again. What even troubles me more is somebody like Greg Abbott that fucks up as much as he does and does the horrible things like this and he still gets reelected how the fuck does that happen i don't understand it for the life of me i mean you can be a democrat and you can be a republican but both parties should be humanitarians should have the respect for the safety of other human beings Clearly, the Republican Party does not. They don't care about people. They just want to own the libs, and they're happy to put other people at risk to make their point. I hope what's going on with Ron DeSantis in terms of getting in legal trouble will also be extended to Greg Abbott. This is the very least they should suffer with. They should be held accountable for what is essentially a crime. We know this because when we found out what Ron DeSantis did, um, I think a county sheriff n- near the area where uh, the capital is, said that there were some crimes committed. And the interesting thing is because those crimes were committed by these people, they were automatically given a green card, I think, because of how they were treated and the laws that were broken. So you could only presume that these people going into DC to Kamala Harris house, Harris's house, would get the same kind of treatment. It serves the exact opposite of what Greg Abbott or Ron DeSantis wants. All they're doing for these people is making the whole migra- immigration process easier and quicker. Nice job, Greg Abbott, you fucking idiot, you fucking piece of shit. Well, Donald Trump, well, he's he's got all the Christmas cheer you could possibly hope for. And um, he is, on Christmas Eve and on Christmas Day, he put out two tw- uh, truth social posts. And you can tell by reading these that uh, he's becoming unhinged a little bit. He's getting nervous. He knows indictments are coming, and his future freedom is at risk. Here's the first one he did. I think he did this on Christmas Eve Merry Christmas to everyone, including the radical left Marxists that are trying to destroy our country, the Federal Bureau of Investigation that is illegally coercing and paying social and lamestream media to push for a mentally disabled Democrat over the brilliant clairvoyant and USA-loving Donald J. Trump, and, of course, the Department of Injustice, which appointed to a special prosecutor who, together with his wife and family, hates hates Trump more than any other person on Earth. Love to all. Well, there's a man that's nervous, and he writes like a fucking child. I just love how he gives these little quirky, stupid fucking nicknames. The Department of Injustice. The Unselect Committee. Jesus, Donald, what are you, seven? That was his message on Christmas Eve. Now, on Christmas Day, unfortunately, it doesn't get any better. He goes on to say, the unselect committee's January 6th report is a hoax. Everything's a fucking hoax to Donald Trump. No different than Russia, Russia, Russia and, and all the other scams that the disinformation laden Democrats have been playing, planting for years. I get real tired of people telling me that the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax was a hoax. It was not a hoax. There was a lot found In the Mueller report, it was found that uh, the Russians did, in fact, meddle in the 2016 election, and they did it to benefit Donald Trump. That's not a hoax. There were 10 separate occasions of obstruction of justice by Donald Trump. Those are serious crimes. That is not a hoax. So he keeps trying to push forward this uh, narrative, and it's a flat-out lie. He knows it's a lie, but he thinks if he can keep saying it, people will believe it. Well, at this stage of the game, people have believed Donald Trump for the last six years, and they've been shit on every time because they did. Of course, the Democrats don't believe anything, he says, but many of the Republicans are stepping away saying, yeah, Donnie, you went over the line, which he did more than that, of course, but they're not going to admit to that because then they have to admit their own guilt. Now, Donald Trump goes on with his post and says, if I weren't leading by a lot in the polls against both parties, this continuation of falsehoods and lies would, be, would end quickly. Donald, you're not even beating Ron DeSantis, for a potential primary for your own party. And you're not even coming close to Joe Biden. But again, he'll say it. He says, I won in 2016, did much better in 2020, rigged, capital letters. And the radical Marxists don't want want to run against me or MAGA in 2024. I had almost nothing to do with the January 6th insurrection. Free speech in capital letters. Well, this man is trying hard to say the least. He's trying real hard. Now this next part, I'm going to be a little sarcastic, just so you don't think I'm crazy here. It had a stunning revelation in Donald Trump's vicious, grievance-packed holiday greeting. He wasn't looking for peace on earth. He was looking for civil war, if you will. On Sunday, his declaration that he's not only brilliant, but clairvoyant. That shocked followers familiar with his multitude of bad predictions, like declaring that COVID would miraculously disappear the spring of 2020. He also mistakenly predicted that he would win the 2020 election by a bigger margin than in 2016, that Republicans would take the House in 2020, and that his endorsed candidates would win the midterms. Yet critics mock Trump's Critics mocked him, and, and Trump accused President Joe Biden of being mentally disabled in his post. But if anybody appears to be mentally disabled, it's Donald Trump. This guy's got the mind of a seven-year-old, and all you have to do is read his Truth Socials to believe that or to understand that. Now, some critics responding on Twitter wondered why Trump stashed classified documents at Mar-a-Lago if he could see into the future as FBI agents search for the files at his home. Others speculated, and I tend to think this is the case, that Trump does not understand the meaning of the word clairvoyant. And to me, that's more likely. He's not a smart man. He doesn't have all the best words in spite of what he says you notice the um, you notice the way he does this he will say things that are an absolute lie he will accuse people of crimes that he's committing everything with donald trump is a fucking gaslight attempt only because he is truly guilty of all the things he's being accused of. And that's really all he has left. All he has left is the opportunity to lie, try to say it loud and proud. He's been stifled a lot since he's not on Twitter anymore or any of the other social media platforms. He has True Social, and that's not enough. But he will continue to do what he's doing. As I've told you before, when you're dealing with a narcissist, when you've got them in the corner and they've got no way out, all of their strategies no longer work, and that's exactly where Donald Trump is, when that occurs, they just kind of go crazy. They will say anything. He's flailing right now, and in his flailing, he's saying the most ridiculous and stupid things And he's doing it in such a stupid way. He doesn't even realize how badly he looks with the things he writes. He looks like a child throwing a temper tantrum. Donald Trump probably has thrown a lot of temper tantrums in his life. He probably did it as a young boy. And as he grew up, he saw that as something that works for him, and he continued to do it. It was easy enough to get away with it when you owned a company and all the people around you were yes men and yes women. But once he joined the government ranks and became president of the United States, he was fighting against something much bigger than he's ever fought against before. Yet he still thought he could use his same strategies, his same methods to beat it. The gaslighting, the bullying, the pressuring. But quickly what Donald Trump found out, he can't do that because the U.S. government is far bigger, far stronger, and far richer than Donald Trump. So now he's at this point. You know, he kept doubling down, thinking, well, I'll just keep pushing, I'll just keep bullying, and eventually they'll give up. Well, that's not happening now. He's got six or seven investigations going on him right now, and there's probably going to be more. The next year is going to be a tough year for Donald Trump. Not only is he going to be investigated and possibly prosecuted for any number of crimes that he committed, but as the year goes on, he's going to lose his grip on the Republican Party. He's already started to lose his grip. And when the Republican Party tosses him to the curb completely, even his base, he's got nowhere to turn. We saw his taxes. He is not a billionaire. You can't take the numbers that you saw in that six-year period and believe he's a billionaire. He lost too much money. The times he did make money, it was maybe like $20 million. That's a lot of money to you and me, but it ain't nowhere near a billion. He's not a billionaire. He's not as rich as he says he is. And I know you're going to say, well, he's grifted a lot of money from the trump and yes, he has. But Donald Trump is like a lot of other narcissists I've known. You can give them all the money in the world, but in a short period of time, it's going to be gone because in their minds, they think, well, it'll keep coming, but it doesn't. And eventually, the money runs out, the flailing gets worse, and then it stops. And usually, for narcissists, when they get to that point, they bolt, they leave, they run. Now, Donald Trump's got a problem because he has nowhere to run. He cannot hide. He's too high profile. <clears throat> he can maybe try to go to a, uh, a country that doesn't uh, extradite people. That would be like Russia and China, a few other spots. I just don't see Donald Trump doing that. Donald Trump over the next year is going to be pummeled. He is going to have every problem you could imagine. And as I've told Ed and I told Tony and I told other people, you can think that he's going to run in 2024. There's a number of reasons that might preclude him from running in 2024. But I got to believe his health is going to be a huge factor. As I've said, in 2024, he'll be 78, the same age as Joe Biden was in 2020. And say what you will about Joe Biden. Joe Biden. There is no question that Joe Biden is better physical condition than Donald Trump. Donald Trump's overweight. He doesn't even try. He doesn't exercise. He eats Big Macs all day, every day. And then you throw on top of it all the pressure that's hanging over his head, the possible indictments, the investigations, the lawsuits, the accusations. Donald Trump is emotionally broken. We know this by the way he behaves. With his physical condition the way it is, and all this stress and strain, probably the most stress and strain he's ever seen, maybe the most stress and strain that anybody's ever seen. That doesn't work well with a 78-year-old man's heart who isn't healthy in the fucking first place. I don't honestly believe he'll be physically able to run for anything, let alone president. Not to mention the fact that there might be some things, the 14th Amendment, uh, uh, various prosecutions that would stop him from running for president. As Tony Michaels pointed out on the show one time, The Republicans seem to think that we are afraid, the Democrats are afraid that Donald Trump will run again. And I know there are some Democrats who've come to me and say, oh, that's my worst He'll run again. Why? I hope he runs again, because then we're guaranteed a win. He won one time in 2016. 2018 midterms, he lost the House and he lost the Senate. In 2020... He lost the presidency. In 2020-22, he was partially responsible for the Republicans and their poor showing. Donald Trump doesn't have a good track record as a winner. He lost by 7 million votes in 2020, and I'll guarantee you, if he does run in 2024, it's going to be worse. Donald Trump knows that. And when he gets to that point, knowing that he has no chance of winning and that his bullshit and his gaslighting doesn't work, I would even be willing to bet that he will back away from it and not run. This is assuming he's not in fucking jail or on lockdown or whatever. I don't care what anybody else says, even my friends. There's no way he's going to run in 2024. There's just absolutely no way all right we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news I'm fucking tired. I spent all day with the family chasing around my granddaughter and she can wear me out like nobody's business. I got home about midnight. I set up. I didn't really do a lot of prep. uh, And I fell asleep in the car coming home. I wasn't driving. (laughs) But I am kind of tired in doing this podcast, but I felt compelled to do it. You expect me to be here. I'll be here. Um, so anyway, if I sound a little, as Donald Trump would say, low energy, <laughs> that's that would be why. That would be why. I'll get some sleep after I get done with this, and uh, we'll see what the week brings. It could be interesting. I think things are going to start getting a little messy with the holiday behind us. Now, It may wait until January 3rd when all the new Congress gets seated, but there's the investigations and all these things, so things should start popping here pretty quickly. Now, in about eight days, the Republicans will take over control of the House of Representatives. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I personally think the Republicans would have been better off losing the House of Representatives as opposed to winning by a slim margin. Even still, these guys think that they're going to have all the power and they're going to do whatever they want. We know that uh, the House Republicans are really high on going after investigations on Democrats for no other reason than retribution. They want to show that everything that the Democrats did was false, was a hoax. And we'll try to do it to distract from all the problems with Donald Trump. That's why they will do this. U.S. Attorney Joyce Vance was on television last night, and she said House Republicans will fail to convince the public that federal scrutiny of Donald Trump is unwarranted according to the U.S. Attorney Joyce Vance. Incoming House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan of Ohio and other Republican lawmakers have suggested they will pursue aggressive investigations of the FBI. They've been bitching about the FBI and Chris Ray since the FBI and Chris Ray was under the Trump administration. Keep in mind that Chris Ray was appointed by Donald Trump. Now, Jordan said, we've been looking at a church-style uh, committee to look at this. And what, what they mean by that, uh, I think there was a uh, representative way back in the day. I think his name was Frank Church. Maybe I'm wrong about the first name. But he was a fairly powerful representative, and he had some investigations that he did And so they're going to try to emulate that, which is going to be hard because all they are going to be investigating is all bullshit. Now, Joyce Vance suggested during an MSNBC appearance on Sunday that the upcoming investigations would do little to distract from Trump's attempt to overturn the 2020 election. She said, good luck with that. And I think she's right. I think this is going to be another failure for them. She goes on to say, if if the goal here is to engage in some sort of political statement-making process, trying to tag the FBI with failures for whatever reason, whether that be claims of bias during the investigation or claims of failure or of inaction ahead of the January 6th insurrection, you know, certainly there will be issues, as there always is. Law enforcement can always learn. There are always after-action reports that help us do our job better the next time. But ultimately, the American people, I think, have now been activated to appreciate the fact that blame is, as the committee says, for what happened on January 6th, rest with Donald Trump. Without him, none of this would have happened. This happened because the former president was a sore loser. So for this new House led by Republicans to come in and try to cast blame elsewhere, I think it's a strategy that may be a nuisance in the short term, but that will backfire for them in the long term because Americans are smart and know and, and know that we have the information that we can use in front of us. A majority of all of us will see the truth here. And see, that's, that's the crazy thing. Donald Trump, the Trump administration, and all these little trump Republicans are going to try to tell people that all of this is a hoax, all of it is fake, in spite of the fact that we have the facts, the evidence, right in front of us. Don't believe the truth. Believe what I tell you. Now, they've been trying to do that for six years, and they have failed miserably each and every time, and they think that's still going to work. See, that's a crazy thing about the Republicans. They keep doing the same shit over and over. They keep losing, but they don't come to the realization that, hey, that didn't work. (laughs) Maybe we should try something else. They don't get it. They don't understand it. It's, it's incredibly stupid, to say the least. I think they will try to do some investigations. But as I've said before, even though they have a slim margin, a slim majority in the House of Representatives, they are so divided in their own ranks, they aren't going to be able to accomplish anything. I think Jim Jordan thinks everybody in the Republican Party in the House of Representatives would be all for these investigations. I think he's going to be sadly disappointed. I think there are people that just want to get away from all the shit and try to bring back the Republican Party to some normalcy. And they won't be able to do that if they wade into all the things the MAGA fucks want to do. So the Republican Party has problems. They have big problems. If Jim Jordan, Kevin McCarthy, Marjorie Taylor Greene want to do all this shit, good for them. Like I've said before, the best thing they can do to help the Democrats win in 2024 is to continue with this ridiculous bullshit. Keep it up. Because come 2024, Joe Biden and the Democrats are going to say, hey, House Republicans, what have you accomplished in these last two years? And they will have nothing to show for it. And because they have nothing to show for it, they'll fucking lose. I mean, that was the whole point that the Republicans had. That was the advantage they thought they had. They couldn't say the Democrats didn't do anything. All they could say was what they did was bad. And it's funny, in spite of them saying it's bad, it seems like all the things that were passed, like the COVID relief bill, the infrastructure, we actually benefited from. So you're telling us it's bad, but we know it's good. How far do you think you're going to get to try to convince people otherwise? They're not going to have any luck with that. They aren't going to have any, any success with trying to convince a bunch of people that can see the evidence, watch the videos, and see the benefits they receive from whatever they could pass in the House of Representatives. I would say Jim Jordan, Kevin McCarthy, Marjorie Taylor Greene, the whole MAGA group is on a fool's errand. And the people trying to step away from Donald Trump and the MAGA group see that, they know that, they know it's a loser. They are going to be hard-pressed to side with MAGA. They just aren't. I mean, we saw it with the uh, same-sex marriage codification. We saw it with this last spending bill. The Republicans are upset as hell that some Republicans sided with the Democrats to get this thing passed. They are shitting themselves because this happened. And they're not shitting themselves just because this bill passed, but they see the future. They'll never admit to it. They'll never say it out loud, but they see the future. The Republican Party, especially in the House of Representatives, is a shit show. They won't be able to do anything, let alone elect a Speaker of the House. But even if they do elect a Speaker of the House, they aren't going to be able to come together on anything. If you need 218 votes to um, vote for Speaker of the House and Kevin McCarthy can't get it, then who? There is nobody else that can get 218 votes, even if they brought Donald Trump back from the dead and said, we want him to be Speaker of the House. All these people that are trying to step away from Donald Trump, they're not going to vote for him. They're just going to see the more trouble they're going to get into if Donald Trump is involved. So Donald Trump wouldn't get 2,000 or 218 votes. No fucking way. Now, this is another interesting thing that... I just think it's so weird and and why nobody's really talked about it. Apparently there's a Russian state-funded media that played clips of Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Lauren Boebert, and Representative Matt Gates and Fox News host Tucker Carlson because the conservative personalities opposed additional US aid for Ukraine. Well, of course, Russia doesn't want America to give them money. They want to roll over the top of Ukraine. But almost a year later, they have found that that's not possible. They're not doing well in this war with Ukraine. Certainly nowhere near where they thought they'd be. Russian media monitor translated Moscow's video coverage of the Ukraine president Vladimir Zelensky's recent visit to the United States. Like many conservatives in the U.S., Russian state television criticized the leader for wearing a sweater and cargo pants. Really? That's all you got? That's, that's all you can fault him for? Like many conservatives in the U.S. Um, also spoke out against the way he was dressed. And, and we talked about this before. Who gives a fuck the way he was dressed? The guy's a hero. He's a surprise hero. I think a lot of folks didn't think he'd do what he's done to this point. But you got to give it to him. He did everything you could possibly expect a leader in his position to do. Now, Holly said that he just didn't even go to the speech because I didn't want to be part of a photo op. Really? Mr. Hand in the Sky saluting the fucking uh, insurrectionist? Yeah, I tend to think you kind of like the photo uh, opportunities. A Russian correspondent noted that 86 Republicans refused to attend Zelensky's speech. See, that's where the deeper trouble is. Let Let me just say something. They all look up to Ronald Reagan back in the early 80s, early to the late 80s. Ronald Reagan hated the fucking Russians. I don't know if they remember that or not. He hated the Russians. This country despised the Russians. But somehow they think that siding with the Russians, siding with Putin, is a winner. These people are the absolute worst marketers I've ever fucking seen. The Russian media also reported uh, or included a clip of Carson mocking Carlson, mocking the speech. They clap like seals, Carlson opined. So no matter what the man in cargo pants said, send me more money, I command you, send me more money. Well, he didn't do just that. He was thanking for the support to date, and he did ask for more money. The fucking war is still going on. There are Ukrainians being killed by the hundreds daily. There are Ukrainians being frozen out because they're bombing power stations. The correspondent referred to Boebert and Gates as brave for attending the speech despite objections to the military aid. Gates and Boebert didn't clap their palms. They, The reporter observed they demonstrably remained seated and didn't jump up. The report concluded with a clip of Boebert. She said this, Until Congress receives a full audit on where our money has already gone, I will not support sending additional money to this war. Well, too bad you lost in this last $1.7 trillion bill that was passed in spite of you, Lauren Boebert. There was like $45 billion going to Ukraine, so fuck yourself. You, you don't know what you're talking about, and you're just saying whatever you think to be contrary to, Because you think it somehow will garner you votes or money. Now, the interesting thing about Lauren Boebert, even her constituents are starting to bitch about Lauren Boebert because she's an embarrassment. That said, how the fuck did she just get reelected? It was close, it was down to the wire. She barely won. But she did win. you got to wonder about this country. I've I've said before, one of the most disappointing things I've gotten out of the last six years is that there are far more stupid people in this country than I could have ever imagined. My God, how stupid do you have to be to reelect Jim Jordan, Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Greg Abbott, all of these people are not only stupid, but they're evil on top of it. And yet, those people in their respective constituency reelected them. That only says to me absolute ignorance. They're either misinformed or ignorant or both. Now here's a revelation coming out of these um, coming out of these documents that are being released by the J six committee, and I told you this before. We're going to see little bits and pieces here and there, and it's going to all mount up and create like a snowball effect that's going to roll over the top of Donald Trump. But this one is kind of disturbing. The Trump White House drafted a press release threatening to fire. Anyone who didn't agree with the former president, Donald Trump's false election fraud claims, which led to the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Now, here's what we know. Most people knew that that was all bullshit. We're even seeing documentation that says Donald Trump knew it was bullshit. But he said, if you disagree with me, we're going to fire you. That explains a little bit about how these people stood with him. Apparently their jobs were more important than the future of this country. The January 6th committee released its final report uh, this past week and also has been steadily releasing transcripts of shocking testimony. The latest batch of transcripts includes the revelation in Pat Cipollone's deposition that a memo containing the threat was drafted but never released. Anybody that thinks there wasn't massive fraud in twenty twenty election should be fired, the release said, according to the transcript. Can you imagine that? I guess I'm not surprised at all by it. That sounds just like Donald Trump. Now CNN Justice Correspondent Jessica Schneider Summarize the new revelations on the Friday on Friday night including an interesting nugget about Ivanka Trump. The reporter said, we have just obtained news transcripts in in tonight of testimony by some of the key figures before the House January 6th committee. It comes just on the heels of that committee's final report. In crafting that report, the committee was aiming to write history as well as to prevent one of the worst chapters of American history from ever repeating itself. And that really was the job of the J6 committee. Expose this and then find ways to stop it in the future. He goes on to say, Jessica, tell us what we are learning, particularly from these new witnesses. And she says, Okay, Jim, the new release transcripts numbering more than 40 and they fill thousands of pages. They include really big names like Ivanka Trump, Hope Hicks, former Attorney General Bill Barr. Our team has been parsing through the pages, and we have actually learned for the first time that Ivanka Trump did in fact hand over text messages to the committee that we're still not clear exactly about the contents of those. So, the president's daughter handed over some text messages, And it will be interesting to see what was said there. And we will ultimately get to see them and hear about them. So expect that to come. Ivanka did tell the committee, however, that she never exchanged any texts with Trump, her father, on any device. The committee also uncovered a White House press release, get this, that was drafted but never actually sent that would have called for the firing of anyone who disagreed with Trump's false claims of election, election fraud. The committee has said that these transcripts will keep coming out over the next few days through the end of this year, but really the most riveting details are contained in in the 845-page report that was released just this past week. As I've said, that's 845 pages. It's going to take a while for people to go through it and comprehend it. But it will happen. And the beauty of this whole thing is that it will come out in drips and drabs. Here's one revelation. Here's another revelation. Here's another revelation. And as I said, that's where we will get the snowball effect. It will get bigger and bigger and bigger. It will speed up until such time that it rolls over the top of Donald Trump. That is inevitable. Now, we know that the, the MAGA group is not fond of the idea of having Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House. They seem pretty sold on that. They don't want that to happen. Now, Matt Gates is pushing for Kevin McCarthy to be replaced at the House Republican leader, and his, he is calling on Jim Jordan to do that. I mean this dumb corrupt criminal fuck. He would be worse than Kevin McCarthy, but the good news here is that he he can't get 218 votes either. There's just no fucking way. The Republicans have regained control of the House as we know Kevin McCarthy would dying to be the speaker of the House, but because the GOP majority is slim, there is enough opposition against McCarthy to prevent him from becoming Speaker. And Matt Gates has made it his job to stop Kevin McCarthy from becoming Speaker of the House. Now, Matt, he's leading a charge. Let's hope his little investigation on his Child sex trafficking takes him out before he can do anything. But should that not happen, when he was asked who McCarthy's replacement should be, he said it should be Jim Jordan. Jordan is best known for loudly and angrily speaking during hearings and refusing to wear a jacket. That's all he's known for. He's not known for creating bills. He's not known for... ...for being successful with any bills. He just talks loud. He creates a disturbance. He is creating a shit show. And that's all he's known for. But apparently that's all the Republican Party is. It would be interesting if Jim Jordan did become Speaker of the House. It would become a fucking circus in the House of Representatives. And as I've said before... None of this stuff is going to work for them positively. It's just not going to happen. Now, Matt Gates wrote on Christmas Eve he tweeted out he says all I want for Christmas is Jim Jordan to realize he should be speaker of the house. Jim has a little different take on this. Gates also had also said to Fox News back in August for my money the best person to be speaker of the house would be Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio. Or our base trusts him. Well, your base is a bunch of fucking nutcases, so that makes sense. Matt said he's the hardest-working, most talented member. Really? Again, he's never offered a bill. He's never passed a bill. So if he's not doing that as a representative in the House, what's his job? Just to be a fucking noisemaker? Now, despite Gates' promotion of his candidacy, Jordan is pushing for McCarthy to again become speaker. He told Fox News, the guy who gets you to the Super Bowl, even if it's a game in overtime, gets to coach the game. And Jim Jordan is pretty much interested in being the, uh, the chair of the Judiciary Committee so he can start all these fucking investigations. So as much as Matt Gates may want him to be, there's no way Jim Jordan's going to be. He doesn't seem to want it, and he certainly can't garner 218 votes. It's really going to be interesting on January 3rd when the Republicans take control. They are going to be flopping around like a fish trying to gain some purchase here, trying to get a... Speaker of the House. And then once they get the Speaker of the House, of course, they've got no real ability to govern because they're so divided. All right, the last story sounds like a good story, but it's not because it won't go anywhere. Russian President Vladimir Putin all of a sudden says he's ready to negotiate with everyone involved in the war with Ukraine. Putin told a Russian news reporter in an interview that aired on Russian media on Sunday that the Kremlin is ready to negotiate, but their enemy are the ones refusing to talk. Well, no shit. The Russians basically want them to uh, surrender and give up everything. And why should they do that? Zelensky's not going to do that. The comments from the Russian leader follow intense Russian shelling on the Ukraine city of Kherson on Christmas Eve that killed at least 10 people and injured more than 50 others. Now, Vladimir Zelensky denounced Russia as absolute evil on Saturday following the deadly strikes, which he said were for the sake of intimidation and pleasure. Zelensky and President Biden discussed what a just peace would look like when Zelensky visited the United States on Wednesday for his first international trip since the war started last February. Zelensky has laid out a series of 10 conditions that must be met for peace to be achieved, including total Russian withdrawal from the Ukrainian territory, this would also include a Russian withdrawal from crime, the Crimean Peninsula under the Ukrainian demands. Now, we know we know that Putin really wants Crimea. He's not going to pull out of there. He's not going to let Zelensky control this. And so Zelensky is going to say, fuck yourself, we're not. We're not going to settle. We're going to continue to fight, even though it's kind of devastating his own country with the sanctions and the thousands of deaths of his own fighting forces. Now, Russia seized Crimea in 2014 following a Russian-backed referendum that was condemned by most of the international community, and they said it was illegal Putin has previously called on Ukraine and the international community to recognize Crimea as part of Russia, which they are not willing to do. Putin said in the interview that Russia is defending the national interest and its citizens in a 10-month conflict, which is absolute bullshit. The Associated Press reported, Uh, that he said Russia is prepared to negotiate some acceptable outcomes with all participants in the conflict. Putin called the conflict a war for the first time in a televised news conference on Thursday, saying it's Russia's goal to end it. He previously only referred to it as a special military operation. I'm sure Vladimir Putin would like to end this war. Because he's taking some heavy hits. Of course, Ukraine is too. But he's taking far heavier hits than he ever imagined. He thought he would come in and win this in three days. That was not the case. Now, as I've said, every possible sanction has been put on his country, Russia. And it's causing some problems for the people on the street in Russia. They are struggling and suffering uh, with these sanctions, not to mention all the soldiers he sent in to Ukraine who have been killed, all the military weaponry and uh, machinery that was sent in that's been destroyed. Vladimir Putin has been taking a beating on this, not a beating in the sense that he lost the war as yet. He can perpetuate the war because he has money. But he is not winning this war by any stretch of the imagination. He is losing miserably, and he looks stupid doing it. If not for the fact that he's presumably dying of stomach cancer or whatever the fuck he's got. Um, And, you know, maybe that's why he continues to do it. He says, what do I got to lose? I'm going to be dead in six months to a year. I'm just going to go all out. The other thing to be concerned about of course is if he's going to die anyways and the sooner the better might he use nuclear weapons. I can only hope against hope that there are enough people around him to stop him from that should he decide he wants to use nuclear weapons. But we don't know. So Vladimir Putin is not only a danger to Ukraine but he is a danger to the entire world. And some Resolution has to come out of this, but there is no, no way that um, Vladimir Putin is going to back out of this unless he can claim some kind of victory. That's just not in his makeup to do that sort of thing. So I doubt they're going to be able to negotiate any peace plan here. Zelensky's sticking to his guns. He wants to save his country. And the Russians want to take it over. So they're at loggerheads here. The likelihood that they'll come up with some agreement is slim to none. And and, um, Vladimir Putin's going to need more pressure from his country, from his military, from his government, and from the Ukraine. And the NATO countries. The NATO countries have to come into this a little stronger. We know America's giving Ukraine Patriot missiles. That should help quite a bit. But we've got to do something to get this shut down. This has gone on far too long. A lot of people are being devastated and killed for no fucking good reason. So we'll watch and see what happens with this. I'm not too confident about it at this point. But who knows? Maybe we get lucky. All right. We are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to sit and listen. I hope you have a great day. And, of course, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.